listening to a Kink in the Chain podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Kink in the Chain podcast. I'm your host, Rope Squirrel, and I want you all to give give some support to Ritzy. She's currently in the hospital. Nothing serious, I promise. She'll be back at some point, but uh, she can't be here today for what is going to be a very large and crowded interview, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Today, I am joined by some of the cast and the, some of the staff behind Santanos. And uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a there's a short film of it on YouTube, which there will be a link in the description. But today I'm joined by Andrew, who plays Aaron, Kasha, who plays Jess, and Nicole, who's a producer on the show. How are you all doing today? Very good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it, it's really great to have all of you here. It, I'll be frank, I managed to watch, uh, I was away at a, at a BDSM convention this very weekend uh, doing... BDSME stuff, and uh, I managed to find time uh, between beating people to uh, to catch up and watch your whole show. And All right, it was uh, very impressive. Um, I honestly was quite uh, impressed with your portrayal of it. Uh, it just basically seemed like you all you were giving it you weren't just doing it like lip service like 50 shades of gray where it was just supposed to be shock value it actually seemed to be <laughs> genuinely integrated into those relationships it's funny everybody brings up everybody in the king community anyway brings up 50 shades of gray and how much they hate it whenever they talk to me about this show and i and it it gives me uh some pride to hear that just because yeah it wasn't it wasn't exploitation in any way it was just interesting characters uh in this in this very specific environment yes exactly so real quick let me go through your bios here we've got so we have andrew who's the actor director and writer uh so he wear many hats in this film uh andrew grew up on the gulf coast of texas and he studied philosophy in college and he spent most of his adult years trying to figure out how to tell a good story through moving pictures and sound you can see santanos and his other work on his website at andrewcfisher.com. Then we have Kasha, who is one of the actresses on the show. Uh, right after Kasha popped out of her mother's womb, she was dancing. She always knew she wanted to be a performer and artist. She visited New York when she turned 16 and took an acting class throughout the summer. After that summer, her life was never the same. She went back to Taiwan and came back to New York the first chance she got. Her creativity is versatile and spread through many different mediums. When she's in front of the camera or behind it with herself or collaborating with others, she has an immense passion and performance in art. If she's not moving or creating, she's on her way to. <laughs> so you are certainly a, a, a creative type. <laughs> Thanks. And then we have Nicole, a producer. I honestly, Nicole, have no idea what producers do. You just produce things. But what is it that you did for this particular series? Yeah, thanks. Uh, this this was a really cool experience because this was actually my first film to be a part of, but I've always been looking for a way to combine what I do in my day job, which is honestly project management and program management and a bunch of white collar stuff with this 
wonderful kink world that I keep dipping in and out of. So, you know, I help Andrew organize and get everyone together for our table reads and make sure that our locations were coordinated. And then whenever it came time to shoot, I also ran Crafty, which is like I made sure everyone was fed and watered, which is super important. What From what Andrew tells me, you could either make people really grumpy or make people really happy with, with food and drink. And then we're needed to make sure that we had some equipment that came actually from the folks from, from Fed, from Bondage Expo Dallas. And we had Sterling, who was a rigger that came down to set and made sure that everybody was where they needed to go when they needed to be there. So, yeah, you just, you made things happen. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and and in regard to the craft services table, you don't want a, uh, a hangry pro-dom. You definitely don't. <laughs> <laughs> so just to go around yeah. the room, um, what experience do you all have in the BDSM and kink communities? And Andrew, I can start with you if you'd like. Uh, yeah. And uh, just real quick, I do want to say that um, the show is actually Thanatos. Thanatos. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I I I don't have a, a huge amount of experience in the kink world. I, I Most of my experience happened... Um, from this, from this shoot, uh, from working on this project, you know, I, the whole thing started because of something Kasha said to me many years ago. And from then I, I, I got really interested in that world. But, but that being said, I have, I have, I've, I've been tied up. I've been tied up on screen and, you know, in, in regular life. And, um, I have, sort of dip my toe into that. But um, it was important to me to talk to people who who really knew the world when I was putting it all together. And I was fortunate to have some people in my life who could share some really great things with me. That's great. Kasha? Um, yes, I've always been interested in the kink world. Um, Snake and Flowers was like, you know, top of my cult weird classic film that I, it just blew my mind. And, you know, also opened up some dark side of me. Um, and um, I think I've explored it in relationships. And then when I got really, really curious to it, I did pro dom for a period of time. Um, and explore a lot of different fetishes and to kind of explore all of them to know like which ones are my favorite. And, um, and then, and then later on, I guess from that, then you can find your partner better of like who you can play better with or who doesn't. And, um, but yeah, I, um, I think I'm more of a switch. Um, but I mostly like to dial, um, but in my personal relationship, I'm definitely a switch. And Nicole, do you have any experience in it? Yeah. Um, I'll say a really good friend of mine, um, one day I was visiting him in California and he said, oh, well, this is a great weekend. There's this, this, this street fair going on. And I said, all right, what's that? And he goes, don't worry about it. You'll uh, just wear a black shirt. You'll be fine. So I put on my black t-shirt and we went down and it was Folsom. <laughs> and then from there, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars Folsom. <laughs> 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 
His oh, dad boy. was like, well, how can I get to this? And then he said, go on FET. And I went on FET. And then before you knew it, I was walking into uh, the sanctuary in Dallas. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's how I, I, I got into it back, um, it was like 15 years ago. And then found the rope community, found the folks of, uh, that run that run bed, uh, did Morpheus bondage extravaganza, and did a, did a few other things. Um, yeah, and was really really a rope person for for quite a while. Um, I tend to dip in out of the in and out of the community lately because of work and life and all of that. But definitely have a long love of this community and what we do. Well, that's absolutely wonderful. You you would be surprised how many people I've spoken to who have done movies and, and things of that nature who say yeah, they've never done it before. In fact, the star of Fifty Shades, which I know we spoke about earlier, he said that he'd have to go home and he'd take a shower at night because he felt so dirty for for filming this movie. And I was like, you guys couldn't have gone out and found a cute kinkster to, to do this. You had to get that one person to do this yeah. like especially somebody who i would say almost despises us in some ways so it's like i, I really wanted there to be more love of uh, and passion for the project so yeah more caring rather than for the <laughs> for the violin part yeah or at least some experience i mean you wouldn't ask a uh, you know, if you're making a Batman movie, you don't bring on somebody who only has done rom-coms to to do it. I mean, like you, you want somebody who who knows the source material, who's read the comic books, you know, in order so that at least can try to relate. I guess, <laughs> I guess the way that he described it, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like a dirt that he cannot wash off or something. <laughs> yeah, and he said he did go to some kink clubs too to kind of get some to to immerse himself, but he just he felt so dirty about it, like. Eh. But I do love the way yeah. that you all demonstrated kink and BDSM in this film. It was so genuine and, dare I say, somewhat amateur and non-professional, which just made it a lot more real. It didn't feel like it was – it just felt like it was an everyday, you know, Joe Everyman or, or the girl next door or whatever you want to call it. It just felt very genuine. Um, was that kind of the, the look you were all going for? I think – this is still like a kind of a romance story. It's, it's still more about connection, you know? I'm sure whether in a relationship or in a kinky relationship or or any kind of relationship, it's about finding people you connected with and then who uh, you can communicate with and, um, you know, and and yeah, you just get each other. And some Tate's certain activity <laughs> and some taste words and um, some taste uh, certain certain play. <laughs> Anybody have anything else to add, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I think that was really well said that it's, it's primarily a, a romance movie in my eyes. And these two people connect in this circumstance and and so it was really important to me to get that right to get the circumstances right and to be uh true to how how people engage but yeah the focus was on the it was on the relationships it was it was on how these people are interacting and and i, I guess you know to your question especially in this series and the thing that uh, hasn't been released yet i 
I really wanted to 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 present it as you know something that's it's it's done in in the daytime in the you know in that in that first scene that there's there's bright light it's it's a joyful kind of experience it's not it's just it's just the way these two people are deepening their connection and so I, yeah i i definitely i consciously didn't i didn't want it to feel dungeony <laughs> yeah i didn't want it to feel like it was in a dungeon or that it was super <laughs> intense or or anything like that I, I it was it's just two people falling in love you know so you'd say that the series itself was more about the relationship and not a positive uh, portrayal of kink is that a fair assessment well i mean i, I don't i think it's a i, I don't i don't i can't I go along with that dichotomy um the it's a it's a positive portrayal of kink it's showing how two people can fall in love within the kink world uh i mean it seems obvious to me and every, everyone talks about that that other movie but you know there's no you don't you don't have to have some kind of psychological issue to want to engage in kink to you know it's just just regular people who are connecting with each other through you know Control. yeah yeah by losing control by um by letting somebody you know take their yeah take all the control away or exchanging yeah. power yeah so obviously kasha you had uh previous experience as a pro dom so i imagine some of those scenes came somewhat naturally to you or at least that's my assumption uh, well yeah andrew actually asked me for Asked me for some question when she was like working on the script, like what is a good experience? What is a good session like versus what is a bad session, you know? And and like I said before, like in any play, in any kind of sexual relationship, any kind of relationship, it is really about the connection. But um, but in my world, and when I was pro doming, it's you know you either got booked by our lead or sometimes a longer session could go for two, three hours or a, per night. It really depends. And um, within that short of a time, you is, you know, they usually give you a list of like the kink that they like. And then you kind of talk a little bit about scenarios and stuff. You kind of just get into it. But in the process, you're still learning about each other, right? Like I'm learning about their pain tolerance or like, or like what kind of role they like, do they like to be punished or do they like the pain purely or do they more interested in like the teasing part or something? So like all this is about like feeling and sometimes it's intuitive, not even with words. And and yeah, like, you know, you both kind of just have to be open. Like, and I think uh, people usually have the stereotype of like, um, that most doms are like the dominant, right? But not really. I think a res responsible dom is to be able to push the certain boundary, but not overboard it. Because um, when a sub in, when a sub goes into sub space, they're really vulnerable, and and you you are responsible for that. And the sub is also responsible for um, <laughs> for speaking up if if it gets uncomfortable or if it gets to certain things, you know? And um, I feel like BDSM is not really always sexual though. 
it, it could be very sexual to some, but it's totally asexual to some. Some people just love to be in subspace, like losing control or, um, yeah. So I think uh, there's something interesting about this series with, which is when a dom and a sub start to actually have intercourse. <laughs> yes. I wouldn't say it's common. That part is like, you know, it will be a little bit off balance. Like, like in my personal relationship, I, um, I've only dated one sub, <laughs> but um, I think usually people love to think about BDSM being like very sex charge, but to me, it is everything from turn on to releasing an orgasm but it's not actually getting to release the orgasm i think the hottest plate is somewhere in between and you just walk away wanting more yeah <laughs> but um but, but this series is you know obviously they engage in a more emotional level like they already kind of know each other's like physical physical right right like just know what is Aaron's tick and then they've played for a while they know each other's body and she knows when to push him and stuff and but like will some feelings start to develop in the played um possible um yeah <laughs> I'm sure this do happen and um um and Dom has feeling too <laughs> And some have control too. <laughs> For sure, and you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, the, the sex in the in the normal BDSM community is not as common as uh, as people think it is. I know that uh, when my own parents heard about what I did, they thought I was going to dirty sex clubs and having orgies. <laughs> and uh, I teach classes on forced orgasm and things of that oh. nature. And people come up to me and be like, you know, I'm fine being whipped, beaten, covered with wax, cut with knives, shocked with electricity, but an orgasm, that's terrifying to me. And like, mm, oh. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. And I, I, I've been trying to remove a little bit of that stigma, but at the same time, when I'm playing with somebody, there is not this automatic assumption that, oh, we just had a great scene. Let's go cuddle and have some sex. That's not what's yeah. going to happen usually. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like stroking hair and then like, and then like discuss what you just play, you know? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of cuddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not, not always, not always ends with sex. <laughs> I think sometimes like the sex almost um, take, take the plate out in a way. Um, back to the film. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew or Nicole, did you have anything to add to any of that? Um, well, I can, I mean, for, for a while, when I started playing, it was definitely about playing and playing and, and exploring everything and playing hard. And it was more about having fun and some catharsis and challenging yourself, especially like if you're a rope bottom, there's a lot of, um, and, and honestly, a rope top, there's a lot of like mental game that goes into it. Um, you know, I want to see if I can do this. Can I stretch that? it's more about that than it is about the sex, but it's like, it's also a very intimate thing. You can be really intimate without the sex. You know, sometimes sex would just be completely out of place. So, um, but then there, there are times where it is. Um, I taught a pegging class once. So, 
you can't really uh, you can't really peg somebody without having sex with somebody. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> yeah, I so I I would just say in terms of the in terms of the show that it was one of the things that that struck me is that BDSM play is um, not necessarily connected to any any kind of any kind of intercourse, right? Um, that you know, when I when I first in, encountered, you know, when when Kasha set my imagination going and I started writing about this thing. So in terms of the show, I, I would say that it's it's really just they connect through the play, and then they end up they start to have a relationship. I mean, that's the, you know, so the, the short film, it's like the beginning of what is about to happen for the rest of the series. But, you know, it's, it's, I mean, to me, it's like, it's like two people, it's any, any kind of romance movie where, you know, two people meet in a coffee shop and it, and the, you know, there's something that's in the way, something keeping them from, from connecting. And then, and then they they end up, you know, trying to have the relationship. That's it's you know they just ended up meeting in BDSM play. So I guess kind of for all of you, what was uh, the most challenging part of filming this short film in the series? Was it doing research? Was it the actual acts itself? Was it something else? The keeping the craft services table stocked? I don't know. <laughs> what was the most challenging part? I guess maybe maybe because we shot it in like we shot like the BDSN scene first, I think. So so we got all those scenes out of the way and then then we shot the more emotional scene. So and then you know sometimes sometimes I guess uh as a as an actor you're like I guess I would just overthink the like, oh I'm in today, I have to think about today's scene, but then I thought and I still like a little bit regretful of yesterday. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really glad that like the whole team was so supportive and everything, everything kind of just worked out. Like we we haven't even decided like where is our bedroom going to be? Like it didn't finalize until like the week before or something. I guess just like coordination stuff. <laughs> clarification where your bedroom was going to be you mean like where you were literally going to sleep no where were you going to shoot the bathroom oh. bedroom like that was um initially we had a different location but the lighting wasn't able to get it to the way that we wanted and and that day happened to be rainy <laughs> but we want like a kind of sunny day kind of light so um so kudos to the lighting team <laughs> and their great job <laughs> nicole or andrew yeah, I would say that, um, you know, making something like this happen is, uh, there's a million challenges. The hardest thing for me is getting everybody together on the same days and, you know, getting locations like Kasha just mentioned that that was a big challenge trying to uh, get the right, right spot for that. So, you know, it's <laughs> making making any any length of movie is just really hard <laughs> so there's 
there's there's a bunch but but i think i think probably the biggest thing is just getting talented people uh all together at the same time in the same place that's the most challenging thing and nicole you got to have some stories for me got something oh man <laughs> well you know uh it was yeah i'm you got the you got the, the, the rig from dallas right you drove all that yeah 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 that yeah, was him, <laughs> the coolest right down from dallas to austin we set it up in the bedroom the day before we shot and we did what did we do two days and then three overnights just bam 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 five days in yeah a row? yeah i think we shot all of that in like the first two days yeah and we completely we took that room and transformed it completely it was like a um, uh a a band's practice room. So we moved out what, like all oh, there were drum kits, there were guitars, there were amps, couches, completely transformed that space into the bedroom and then transformed it back because we had to <laughs> put it back together. But you know what was you know what was shockingly easy about this? Was like I came into this know like kind of kind of knowing that Andrew was was like new to community and hadn't spent a, a crazy amount of time in the community. And so, you know, one of the things that we talked about was he said, you know, if you have any input about what the characters say, or if, if somebody wouldn't say that, or if somebody from the community would find this to be not accurate or, you know, not right, tell me. And after like reading the script, I thought, ah, Andrew, you, you got it. You know, I was, ready for anything that was kind of that you, you know how the you know you know how we get on you know somebody writes something on KNP and it goes it goes into the stratosphere and everybody's arguing about the one true way about what's ethical and what's not and I just didn't find anything in that like Andrew you just handled it incredibly well and so really all the challenge came from the behind the scenes stuff just making sure everything came together well it it certainly looked like it came together you guys did a Fantastic job. So uh, kudos to, to all of you and your crew and everybody working on that film. So good job. Did did you all have to do, I, Kasha, I don't know if you did, but like Andrew, did you have to do a lot of research for these for the film? Did you have to, you know, study submission or anything like that? Any any prep work? I definitely did a a pretty good amount of research. I I normally do for anything that I'm writing or acting in. And in this case, I was doing both. So I, yeah, I did a lot of research. I mean, I, I also had amazing resources in Kasha and Nicole, so I could, I could talk to them about things, and um, and I I learned a tremendous amount from them. Awesome, Kasha. Did you have to do anything? Did you have to refresh your skills or anything? Um. Well, I will say that they, <laughs> the whip that they gave me <laughs> was a really huge whip. <laughs> that was mine. <laughs> um, yeah, there was definitely a little freshening of the of the um, skill, and also, um, I guess the room that um, I'm used to play, and they're like, oh, they're just like all this kind of you know, very elaborate, like axe bars or like a little coffin or a little cage or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, I think is 
it's definitely more 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 intimate because it's in someone's room even though it has this like huge rigor in it um but i will say that um like um in the film there was another there was another guy <laughs> and, um i'm glad that he was also very into his role which he's he's like a masochist and um cuz uh, everyone kind of freaked out when i when i did slap his ass till it bruised <laughs> for one scene <laughs> yeah he was walking around with those bruises for a while <laughs> like, i'm getting paid for this <laughs> yeah i think he was very into his character too cuz he was like he, i was like very apologetic afterwards i was like oh i'm sorry and he's like don't worry you're just doing your job <laughs> it was very very nice peter peter was very nice was that the one you threw that you threw out at the beginning of the film? Oh no, that's that's the first creep. Um, oh. It's the is the is the one in the in the series. Ah, okay. The funny one, the funny one. You know who it is. Yeah. <laughs> he really brings a funny element to the show. He was he was interesting for sure. <laughs> so I guess kind of for all of you maybe maybe Andrew since you wrote it but all of you in general what is the message you're trying to convey with this series in general what do you want people to walk away from after after seeing it I feel like Go ahead. I, feel like I will hope to that if it like if it hug the little pervert inside them a little bit being like oh it's okay you know like like there's no really like normal sex and and your your sex life is your or your sexual life is as good as you pursue it i think and um um and i hope people walk away feeling like they could open themselves up a little more to their desire and whether or not like um whether or not is in kink or um just in regular sex life or whatever like i hope people can walk away feeling a little braver and feeling a little bit more okay to be open and then maybe you can meet a similar partner on the same level and then you can explore uh, but you have to be open to explore first yeah i, I and i would add to that it just in terms of opening I, I definitely hope that people see it and and at least are encouraged to to be more open at least to themselves at the very at the minimum that they would they'd be more open to to whatever it is that they're whatever it is gonna is gonna make them live fully and truthfully you know I, th I think we're all carrying well many of us are carrying around shame around our desires or any any number of things that um and and maybe that shame comes from our community you know our, our family whatever but and i'm i'm not saying that there aren't some things that that we should feel shame about right if, if you're hurting someone against their will then that's you know something so there there are certain things that absolutely um we we should be discouraged against but um but then there are other things where people are just sort of close, they've closed their minds to it. And, and so I, I guess in a big way, I would, I would hope that, you know, to kind of circle back to some of your earlier questions, I, I would hope that people would walk away and, and think, oh, wow, that's this, these are just two people that 
you know, and, and several people who are living in a way that's different from from the way that I live, but I can see that they're going through the similar stuff that I'm going through, and they're they're dealing with some of the same issues, and and they they're not somebody that I would even even after seeing everything that they've done, it's that's not somebody where I would go. Mm, you shouldn't have done that. Does that make sense? That it's my hope is that along with a lot of other um, hopes around the show, but one of them would be that that people would watch it and and just and and recognize themselves in it, even though these are people that are engaging in something that maybe they maybe they have absolutely no experience or they've just heard very little about it or maybe they just saw the trailer for Shades of Grey or whatever. Nicole, anything to add on that one? Yeah, I, along the same lines as, as what Andrew said, like for those of us that are in the community, I, my personal hope is that you watch it and you, you kind of, it, it gives you good throwbacks to like the first, the first kind of tingly feelings that you get whenever a scene goes really well or the first time that you think something might go sideways in a scene, but then it doesn't, you come out of it, you know, with a better understanding of your partner and of yourself in that, you know, this, this one really kind of, for me has like a, you know, people from the community were involved in the making of it, were in it, were around it, um, have supported it. Um, people donated to our effort on it. And so I really want us to feel like it reflects the way we want to be seen in a way that, you know, we keep referring to that other series that doesn't reflect the way we want to be seen or, or the, the, the truth that we live. So for that, and then for people that aren't part of the community that haven't, that it's completely unnormal. And, and even though you feel like it might be abnormal, everybody's got some abnormal shit about them. So this is just like we're like Andrew was saying earlier, like just be honest with yourself and you'll find somebody that you can be honest with and then can be honest with you in return. That's all there is to it. I, I just I just certainly thought about that quote, like art should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. Except that I don't think this film is going to disturb the comfortable, <laughs> but it will comfort the disturb. <laughs> okay. Well, I also wanted to add just that and um Nicole reminded me that, that uh, definitely one of the big goals was, and I, I think I've kind of said this, but one of the big goals, what I was hoping people would walk away with was to, to make something that the, that the King community would like, because I was really encouraged by the first, the short film that I did where I was, I was getting such a positive response from people in the King community. And so, and, the, and it just felt good to, to be able to offer something that was going to be a, you know, you you said a, a positive portrayal of BDSM, but just you know, it's, yeah, something something where uh, people in the kink world weren't gonna, it wasn't gonna be a major eye roll, or or worse than that, where it's like, oh my gosh, you're not you're portraying this in in such a negative light or or whatever. So yeah, that was a, another big goal. Well, you, I think you did, you all did a. A great job of that it definitely it definitely struck a lot of chords with me especially again i was at a kink convention at the time fully immersed in it and uh just seeing it it, it was very very good so great job everyone thanks 
I think one of the one of the interesting things about this film was how the two characters met in the beginning. So every everyone's got their personal history, and you know, I started with the in your face kind of fulsome, and then went and said, okay, I'm not doing another thing until I go to sanctuary and meet up with people and see how this is done first and do some classes and um, and then I'll start playing. Um, but some people go all all in, you know, from the first moment in a in a play party, or some people just just go straight to Craigslist. And so my question is, how how did y'all start uh, in your kink journey? Anybody want to volunteer to go first, or should I go first? Yeah, you go first. All Let right. me hear. <laughs> Let's hear your side of the story. <laughs> Well, ever since I was a child, I was tying up people with jump rope on the playground. So I think there was something there to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as I got out of my parents' thumb and went to college, I found a website called Collar Me, which doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately, but they had something called a munch. So for anybody listening who doesn't know what a munch is, it's a casual meetup of kinksters at basically usually a restaurant and uh, no play happens, but it's a good place to meet people. In general and for the first three months i attended that munch did couldn't bring myself to sit at the table with the kinksters so i sat in a booth i was also a poor college student so i'd order a plate of fries for a dollar and i would sit there and watch the kinksters finally on my third or fourth attempt a top comes over from the table grabs me and says you've been sitting here for the last three months get over to this table um that night they, she took me to my first play party which Full disclosure, there was no negotiation, which is not a good thing, but it's what mm -hmm. happened. Um, we played. Um, I guess I turned out okay. Uh, the next night, we went to another play party, uh, to which I work at that facility to this day. So I guess that was a good experience. But the, in order to actually meet people, I found that the best solution is to fully immerse yourself in the volunteer side and the service side of the community. Uh, for example, this weekend I was judging a leather contest. That's what I was doing. So I'm I am bringing in couples and tearing their relationship apart um, and nitpicking everything and trying to get to the meat of their relationship to determine if they're if they can get enough points to earn the title. Um, but other times I am running my own conventions. I am doing all these things in the community and people see me as a, as a leader in my local community. And that really gives me a lot of credibility when I'm looking for partners. So somebody goes, Oh, I've heard of you. You, you've been all over the place. Yes. Yes, I have. So that's kind of my, I have a unique experience in that I've done all this and I have basically a resume um, and credibility in the community, but uh, others, I guess, Kasha, Andrew, how did you meet people? I think I always just have a fascination with the kink world. I first time, <laughs> first time I made my brother cry is when I kick his ball, and <laughs> I don't know if it, I don't know if it has something to do with that moment. But I feel like after that moment, I'm like, there's a part of me that just enjoyed that play. But I think I definitely started out by, um, well, I when I kind of didn't get to explore it much with uh, the partner that I had at the time. I um, I went to a dungeon and then just kind of asked to be a apprentice there. And then um, um, I was trained by several different dom and they all taught me different things, you know, from their perspectives. And yeah, 
And then obviously from there on, I will go to different fetish party and then, um, yeah. <laughs> Great. Andrew, have you had any? Well, so I, mine, mine is not as fun as the, the rest of yours, but, but, you know, I met Kasha and then I made this short film and, and it was from that that I met more more people in the kink world and and made made a lot of friendships there so it's and that's and that's part of I think probably part of why it was really important to me to to continue to make something that people in the kink community would like because because I had such a positive experience um from from people who liked the short film nice well hopefully it it opens up a few doors for you if you're gonna try out either a D or an a DS or a MS relationship. And yeah, I guess, Nicole, you asked the question. <laughs> you know, I, I think you kind of, you, you always kind of know that there's a part of you that's like that either, either whether, you know, the terminology for, for it or not, you're like, Oh, there's something different about me. And I think my friend, my, my friend knew it, um, which is why he was like, ah, just put on a black t-shirt and some jeans. You'll be fine. I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about rope um, I mentioned earlier was kind of the personal, the physical and mental challenge of it. And I was definitely, definitely resonated with me. I was an athlete growing up, but uh, yeah, everything from like how long can you hold your breath to how, how much can you take somebody trying to mess with your head to um, you know, anything endurance related like that um, has just transferred really, really happily in this area of my life well, that's great yeah that that was something that I, like i found really interesting is talking to, to nicole about it just in in terms of it, the the experience being an athletic one and it makes perfect sense especially after i was suspended by ropes i i really understood it after that but that was it it was it was cool to think about that, right? That that it's for a lot of people, and we talked about how for a lot of people, sex is not even a, a thing. It's not even a part of it. But but then also for a lot of people, it's it's a really athletic experience. For sure. I, I I know I'm sore and not just from getting beat this weekend, from also beating people this weekend. So I am very sore. It's very athletic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got bruises all over me, so. <laughs> Bum bruises. Good oh, yes. Bum bruises. Is there no documentation? Is there even play? <laughs> Actually, I'm a, I'm a switch, so we shocked some people in the dungeon. I, I don't understand why people didn't know it. I mean, my name my, my name literally has that in it, but, like, I, I play with my partner, and I'm, I'm beating her, and then suddenly I unclip her, and she basically strips me, and ties me to the same piece of equipment and goes to town <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. It's some people their jaws drop like whoa i was not expecting that so that's hot, <laughs> that's hot. <laughs> i think people who switch they just get to know what the other person is feeling more you know like i'm sure you and your partner are a pretty good match it sounds like <laughs> yeah she 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 enjoys it but anyway uh we'll uh so they can find this film. It's on YouTube. Is it available anywhere else besides on that YouTube uh, link, Vimeo, or on 
YouTube and Vimeo, but that's, and, and I'm honestly not totally sure where the series is going to land. We talked about the film, but, uh, I want to talk about news and, and the real quick, uh, the, um, uh, viewer questions, if you all had a minute. The, there's a link that I that I put in the show notes that you should all see for Refinery29. It's it, this is more just something to talk about, not really a, a controversial topic. This comes around every few years. Yeah, I know. Similar to the usual talk about should kink be allowed in the pride parades that comes around every year. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so conflict. I had a conversation with one of our executives because I was like. Ever since y'all started coming to Pride, I don't feel like I can go to my own Pride. Because if I go dress the way I want to get, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if I go dress the way I want to be dressed, I don't know if I can be around y'all and be on. For sure. This was just something that popped up in the news from April, so it's relatively newish for this year anyway. I know we're in December, but we're we're getting close. It's always an interesting conversation because if you scroll down toward the bottom, you start seeing some of the the uh, some of the items that were being released, and it's flat up like, wow, I, I see that in my vendor fairs at all my local dungeons, and this is something that somebody is proposing that we just wear out in normal world. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not not complaining, but it's it's almost like you know I might as well just dress in my leather and harness and everything and just walk into the grocery store. <laughs> at this point but i was kind of curious how you all feel about that and and nothing controversial just more just kind of like it's not as taboo if everyone's doing it that's kind of my point oh yeah 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 i i heard i definitely heard kingster kind of complain that like oh now that every girl wear chokers you don't know who's who's the real sub because they're just wearing it for fashion purpose yeah yeah you see yeah you do see that a lot chokers and yeah, choker uh, is kind of almost like an essential thing now. That you you see you you see definitely are there are people that just wearing it for the look of it, but not like not necessarily they're in the community or whatever. I personally don't have problem with it. <laughs> um, I think it's cool that people are open up to more different kind of fashion and. And fashion, it's kind of more like a collage now. So you can kind of mix and match style. You can, and I, you know, you can wear hard latex and then with denims or whatever. I'm like, why not? <laughs> I love juxtaposition. Yeah, but I'm sure that there's still probably a little bit difference between like just mixing match your fetish wear to everyday wear versus like just full on like latex latex full letter full mask <laughs> i think maybe certain certain toys or certain accessories will be more scary looking than others like i feel like there's some harness that kind of just looks like um bondage but you know you can clip on so you don't have to go through the whole times of like tying up and I don't know. I um I I love to wear my robes. I do use my robes a lot as a as a fashion <laughs> accessory. <laughs> um and and I think it's fun that I always have a little ropes around that I can, you know, in case if I want to tie someone up. <laughs> so I do love to like mix a little ropes in my accessory. 
I mean, I know that I w sometimes wear the leather that you can see in my profile picture, but I sometimes wear that into a grocery store. Like if I'm headed to a event and I just need to get something and, and I'll mm -hmm. see like parents grab their children and pull them closer as I walk near. And it's like, okay, I'm not after your kids. I promise. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not that scary, but I guess it also, yeah, it very much depends on where you live. I mean, I do live uh -huh, in, a, uh -huh. in a purple state, um, um, but depend, you know, I guess if you were in like, I don't know, Louisiana. You would just blend or, in in New York. You would yeah. just blend in New York. Well, I think they think I might be like a biker or something. Like I'm, I'm in a gang or something that I'm after. It's like, no, no, not really. But uh, of course, then I see the girl, the some of the women who are wearing literal kink collars with the O-ring on the front, and I just mm -hmm. want to, I just want to keep a leash in my pocket and just go click. All right, you're coming with me now. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be fun if the, if the whole world is your play, playground? <laughs> uh, to say that, uh, that those, those chokers, those are a throwback to high school and the old goth days and like the, the one thing that you could, you know, hide in your backpack to where your parents wouldn't see you walk out the door with it on and then you'd put it on and you'd be like, look at how bad I am, you know? <laughs> those chokers, they come back. They, every, from the 90s, they've come back. I think the latex, that came back a couple of years ago, but I think I think the the every man or every lady is gonna figure out like if you really buy latex, what a uh, pita it can be to put it on and how sweaty it can get. And <laughs> I re I really hope that it, every time this comes around, I really hope that like our community leather makers and our community. Um, folks get an increase in sales because especially the harnesses coming in yeah cool harnesses out you're finding cooler and cooler stuff like whether it was latex yeah. or leather there's just definitely more style more color more like interesting mm -hmm. design like like the first time i see like somebody make like ruffles out of latex i was like what <laughs> Anyway, I just love creativity. <laughs> I just love creativity and, and in fetish wear, it's just, it's so cool. <laughs> uh, okay, I wear something leather every day and like whether or not it's a, like, it's and it's not usually a big thing, right? Because I work a corporate job, but I'm worried that there's something leather on my person every day. And it's just cool to see that we'll have more options and that yeah. it can be more of a future rather than like a secret soft <laughs> Andrew, anything you wanted to add? Well, yeah, I, I mean, just that I, I love the way it looks. So I'm happy to see it in this this high fashion. And I, I know we're not supposed to talk about the show anymore, but uh, you can talk about the show. But, but just because I just wanted to, because Kasha reminded me when she started talking about that stuff that she's she's so good with putting these things together and she actually did the uh styling for her for the part of jazz but you know and, it, and it's she puts together some really amazing uh stuff and that she's just wearing on a on a day-to-day -day. so i'm i'm into it i like how it looks and i mean I, I i obviously everybody here likes how it looks and they're into it but i i'm i'm also um, I'm not opposed to people just walking out in the world with it too. Yeah, for sure. 
And I, and I'm 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 thinking back to the show in that red outfit uh, that uh, Kasha was wearing. That was uh, that was very beautiful, honestly. Oh, thank you. That was uh, just like hmm. yes, very nice. Yeah, I guess I guess it's Nicole, tough. when you you earlier say that you you wear letter every day, it's like maybe letters your like power element, like you feel sexy in lettered or. I do. I do. It reminds me, it's like, and honestly, it keeps me grounded in a way. Like, yeah, um, you feel more yeah, of yourself yeah. when you have a piece of letter on you, kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess for me, it would be like robes and the color red. <laughs> I definitely feel like, <laughs> like whenever I'm wearing red, I'm like in my power element. <laughs> Or whenever I have mm. some ropes with me. <laughs> Isn't that funny? 100%. Isn't that funny how it works? We just like want, like that's kind of like adult, adulting's um, safety blanket or something. Been like, oh, just give me those stuff. I want to have those stuff with me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Well, do you three have just a few more minutes to answer some of my viewer questions and we'll, and we'll get on yeah. with it? Yeah, sure. sure. Yep. All right. Our first question comes to us from Ken in Connecticut. While I have a large group of people to play with, I keep debating trying out a pro dom. For some reason, I get uncomfortable about it, like it makes me less of a kinkster because I want to pay for it. Having never done it, I guess I'm mostly just curious about what it's like. So I think Ken's kind of just trying to figure out, is, it, is a pro dom a good thing? Is it fun? Um, Kasha, I believe you'd probably be the one with the most experience in this or Please correct me if I'm wrong, you, the other two, but what is it kind of like, I guess? I guess, um, like I said earlier, because you have to do, you have to kind of get to the play very soon. Um, you want to know exactly what you want to get out of the experience in order to have the most out of the experience. You have to plan for it and then you have to maybe already been following some pro doms because they all have their personal state personal page and then um of, of like what they are specializing and stuff and 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 when you write an email to them don't just say what's up whatever um you wanna you wanna write like what you hope to get out of this experience. And then if you have a time and place in mind, I feel like the more you plan ahead, the better of an experience you will have. And sure, you can get very different thing out of um, just playing around with um, people who are still exploring versus Dom because they probably has more like exponentially more experience in that round. And, um, and a good pro Dom book probably take you into the space very soon um so if you're still thinking about it do more research about it and find out what pro dom that you want to go for and um and be respectful <laughs> and um when you write an email be specific be as specific as you can be don't write common stuff being like oh are you available next wednesday or blah 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 like yeah, don't write that. Just be specific. Be more weird, almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like I think Ken has an advantage being part of the community because I'm going to call you Kinky Ken. Kinky Ken, I think you have an advantage being part of the community because you know 
you you have experience and so you have more of an idea of what to ask for and you have more experience in negotiating with somebody else. And so you're going to be able to figure out if that dom's the right one for you. And I wouldn't feel bad about it because I I know people that have. I mean, what do you do in the what do you do when you're in the community and you want to try out um, kidnapping? We well, you go and find the best kidnapper you can find, and you get yourself and you get yourself abducted. Um, <laughs> and I. <laughs> so this is no different than that. You know, I know people that have paid for. Um, that that is paid really, really as for people that they admire at, from the communities to do like an entire weekend experience and, and, and they 100% enjoyed it. So can I wouldn't feel guilty at all. And Andrew, I assume that you probably did a little, well, you did some research for going uh, when, you, when you were first going to go meet Jess for the first time kind of thing. Obviously that your character had, um, I don't want to say issues, but well, how did you prepare for that, and and how did you how did your character feel about that when they first uh, approached the prodom? In preparation, in preparation for that, I it was mostly just trying to stay. I was I felt nervous, but I was just trying to stay open and not not be defensive in any way. I think that's one of the barriers in life when when we feel nervous and we get defensive. I think that that really stops us from uh, having the full experience. So, you know, with these two people that have uh, so much more experience in her, and and you should listen to them much more, but that that's what I can offer. Sure, I, I was kind of just putting you in, in the same shoes as, as Ken because it was almost the same thing, so. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and so that yeah, I can. But I I think that's I think I think that could be worthwhile for Ken, because you know it. What struck me with the question was, I I'm not sure why he would feel like less of a kingster, um, because yeah, a, a pro is gonna, they're they're gonna be good. That's why they're a pro, and they're you know as long as you take the advice from Kasha and Nicole, I think it could be a really terrific experience and, you know, you just stay open and, um, and positive about it. Okay. Well, thank you. You three, did you have anything else? Anybody have anything else to add to that question? Uh, okay. This was fun. Let's do another one. All right. We got two more to do. <laughs> Our second. Our second comes, question comes to us from Kelly in California and they write, I have gone to therapy for it, but whenever I get restrained, I get terrified. I think it might be something from childhood where my father used to hold me down and shout at me. That's just a guess, but that's probably the reason for my fear. However, in my efforts to get into the BDSM world, I have a panic attack whenever I get restrained. Do you all have any tips to get over this fear? That's, um, I don't know, the short version I guess would say, keep going to your therapist. <laughs> wow, I feel like Kelly, yeah. Kelly is very brave. She sounds like she really want to confront her fear. I don't, I don't know if I can give any tips, but I feel like maybe instead of restraining, maybe you just like have your sensory like w taken away first. Maybe just like have your eyes be blindfolded or something, or um, or having just little restraint, like some restraint that you can get out easily, so you don't 
I don't know if you like if you kind of have a way out will you not panic easier or um or maybe you just really need to find someone that you trust fully <laughs> and while keep going to therapy <laughs> and to that point similar to easy to get out of um one one tip i've given people is to use paper restraints so mm -hmm. literally like you're making christmas chains you know you just link them together but just make the paper restraints in that for your we i use it in a different way it's like don't break out of that or your punishment's going to be worse but in mm -hmm. in her case just like be chained up with these paper chains that you know that with just a quick thrust you can break out of if you get too panicked and then just try to push yourself longer and longer to in those restraints eventually move up to bigger and bigger things but yes go to therapy uh, do light restraint, see how that goes. That would be, but obviously it's not a requirement. I've done plenty of scenes without bondage. If that's something you really want to do, then you're going to have to work on it, but it's not a requirement for a scene. I know it's the first letter in BDSM, but <laughs> I've, I've done plenty of scenes without bondage. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there are some really comfortable little shackles that like, if they're, if the width is like big enough, you're your hand could totally slip out of it. So something like that, you know, that you can start with as well. For sure. Nicole, do you have anything to add on that one? Y'all are so good. This is great advice. Uh, I guess, uh, Andrew, anything for you? <laughs> I, like, I like how Nicole sidestepped that because she's like, I'm not a therapist. I'm not professionally yeah. qualified. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, I will offer this that I've never I haven't had a panic panic attack um, but I have uh, it's it's very difficult for me to be restrained it's it, you know I I identify with um, with feeling like like close to an overwhelming feeling and and I would and I would just say that yeah you should um keep, keep talking to your therapist and it's, and I'm, you know, I would, I would reiterate what Kasha said that it's, I'm, I'm very impressed that, and, and I admire that, that, that she would want to face that. Um, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing. Sure. All right. Well, Kelly, um, I hope that helps you. And, uh, obviously if anybody does have any questions, comments, feedback, uh, for Kelly or wants to ask a question of their own, just remember our, our email is always open, podcast kinkinthechain.com. Always happy to hear from you. Our third and final question for today comes from uh, Jay from Alberta, Canada. And they write, as with dating, the, the kink and BDSM world is, it's hard to find and meet people, not just play partners, but long-term relationships as well. I am lucky to have found someone and am very happy in a monogamous relationship. We play and generally spend our lives together. As part of the relationship, we are both allowed to play with others. However, some of those partners seem to want a lot more, even though they know they can't have it. They talk to me in ways that I know my partner might not approve of. I will never act on it, and I am sorry for all the rambling, but I guess my questions are these. Where were these people when I was looking for a relationship? Uh, should I mention the inappropriate messages sent to me by them to my partner? And should I cut off communication with people who are pushing my relationship? So they want what they can't have, basically. Oh, yeah, it's, this is a, he oh. sounds like he wants to have the cake and eat it too. 
Jay, I would say like your question number one, where were these people when I was looking for a relationship? Don't worry about it. You got the right person for you. You're very happy in this monogamous relationship where you're open to play with others and you're, you have a cons- consenting uh, agreement that you try, are doing your best work within the boundaries of. Don't worry about, don't, don't worry about uh, hindsight. Should I mention an inappropriate message sent to me by my, to my partner? Well, well, it depends on the, the boundary of you and your partner. Like, um, I think any, any we so-called open relationship, they're open, but they still have boundaries. Most of the open relationships mm-hmm. I know that work, they all have boundaries, whether it's, you know, you can have short flame, like summer flame for two months, or when it gets to when, you know, when someone is in love, when you, when someone is in falling in love, you have to get out of that. Um, but it sounds like Jay, you have your primary partner already. So all the other partners are like play and, um, and maybe Jay is kind of, kind of swindling in his decision, like, um, of maybe you feel like you have found someone that you can play very well. And then maybe you start to have feelings, um, but I would say that that could be a honeymoon phase. <laughs> um, um, and maybe that would fade, maybe. Um, but some people are in your life for a season, not forever. Mm-hmm. And third, should I cut off communication with people who are pushing my relationship? Yes. <laughs> if you want to keep your primary relationship. Like I said, if it's your primary relationship, that is who you are most responsible to. And you can play with other people because she allows you to. And she respects you. She understands you, you that you have your need. And, and you should respect her as well. Like, it's mutual. Like, you know, maybe she's encountering the same thing. Are you guys communicating about your open relationship? Or are you just not talking and kind of doing things on the side? aside from each other yeah for sure i i agree i feel like you yeah i feel like jay you should ask yourself those questions like what are you willing to lose if you want to be even more open what are you willing to lose and and also jay how are you setting your boundaries with those with those partners if they're talking to you in a way that your partner doesn't approve of and so therefore you are feeling some kind of way about are you letting them know, hey, this is outside, this is outside of our agreement. We really have to, I'll, I'll tell, I don't know, I'll tell, I'll, I'll tell a quick story, if that's all right. Yeah, go ahead. If we have time for that. I had a partner one time, and we wanted to open up our, our relationship, and or this person wanted to open up our relationship, and I really didn't. And we talked about it for a long time, and I, I, I finally settled on, like, okay, but my boundaries are like, I'm, I, I really have trouble with the idea. Like, I don't have, I don't have a problem with you playing with other people, but I do have a problem with intimacy. So if there's like, definitely no sex for like a little while, let me get, let me get used to, let me get used to the idea. Let me get used to this going on and we can, you know, trust will build over time and maybe we'll get there, but maybe, or maybe it's just not in my makeup, right. To be fully poly and a fully open poly relationship, but I'm willing to give it a shot. 
um, but please don't do anything intimate um, to, you know, don't, you know, just play, but please come home to me. And they went out and they played and they came back with basically like bite marks all over their torso and like, like all over their body. And I was like, uh, and we had this whole conversation about abiding by the letter of the law, but not by the spirit of the law. <laughs> I took, took put it long and short of it and basically I was like listen if you if you come home and get in bed with me and you have somebody else's bite marks all over your body that's a pretty intimate thing that you were involved with that person with and you're bringing it home and you're lying next to me how do you think I'm going to feel about that and so day to think about like if you let these people continue to talk to you like that how do you feel about it and how would your partner feel about it and it's up to you to put those boundaries and set them straight yeah for sure that was that was all amazing stuff the only the only thing that I would add is if you're gonna take care of it, then you don't need to tell your partner. <laughs> I mean, I I really I kind of I feel kind of strongly about that just in terms of you know act with integrity and then but then you don't need to burden your partner with with the thing that you know is gonna upset your partner, right? Like. You, if if you've already talked about how that's outside of your boundaries, you don't you don't need to tell them about it. I don't think as you know as long as you're taking care of it and acting with integrity. For sure. Oh, that's an interesting question. Like, would you would you feel better if your partner came home and said, "Hey, this person wanted to go over the line, and I put my foot down and said no"? Would you feel better about that, or would you feel better just knowing that they're taking that you know, like you said, like they're acting with integrity and they're doing their part yeah I mean everybody's different right I know that I know for me and and for a lot of other people it would just start to bother me I'd start to think about that that mm -hmm. other person and, and it would it would just be it would be a burden that I didn't need laid on top of me right I I really I, I think that like I said if if you're if you're acting with integrity if you're if you're taking care of it and and there and it's something that's bothering you you don't need to also make it something that bothers your partner. I really don't, you know, I, I, there's, I, that, that's something that I always, I, I dislike it whenever I hear it. It was, it was bothering so much and I just had to tell them, it's like, no, you didn't. You need to just swallow that and eat it and eat it for your partner. <laughs> just, just digest it. You don't need to know that information. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And maybe, maybe the person pushes the boundary and then like, you lay down the boundary and then that's, that's it. It's not like somebody needs to have a judgment against them. Yeah. Good right? point. We've all been there. Yeah. Maybe if it was a rare occurrence, one time thing, you know, you mentioned it as kind of like, yeah, by the way, this happened. But if it was like consistent, lots of people doing it and you're granted, you're playing a game of whack-a-mole, but you're just like not knocking them all down that it's like, okay, you don't need to know about all this. Like I don't need to burden you with it, but. I could see the first yeah. time being like, oh, you're loyal to me. Oh, it's very nice. But if it kept coming, it's like, what the hell are you doing with all these people? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then it, and then it becomes, yeah, what it just all that stuff starts to creep in. What are you doing to make them say that or think that they can get away with that or whatever? Right. It's um, I don't know. But, but there's no there's no necessarily no right way to way to do it. But I, I would also just <clears throat> reiterate what. I think both Kasha and Nicole said that, you know, if if you found somebody that 
you are really grateful for and you want this monogamous relationship, then then you need to honor that. It doesn't it doesn't matter that somebody comes along that starts giving you attention. They haven't been with you through that. You haven't developed the kind of relationship that you have with your with your partner that you care about. It, to me, that's an that's an easy decision, right? Who cares that they're they're just you know in this moment giving you some positive attention? It's it's the partner you should really be worried about. For sure. Does anybody else have any additional advice for Jay? Well, Jay, I hope that helps. Good luck, Jay. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Hopefully you don't have to beat them all off of the stick because that'd just be bad. Um, but I do hope that helps. Again, anybody who wants to send questions can send send emails to podcast at kinkinthechain.com. We'd love to hear from you. But with that, we are reaching the end of our show. Um, and I would just like to thank all of you for taking the time out of your evening to to, to come and talk with me and uh, and uh, help some of my listeners and of course promote your your show which i encourage all my listeners to uh, to go and watch the short film and the series it is it is a wonderful wonderful depiction of bdsm in general and a great depiction of relationships and things of that nature so thank you all for coming on the show thanks for having us yeah thank you thanks so much and as always stay kinky my friends check us out on the web kinkinthechain.com Follow us on Twitter at King Chain Show. We don't bite unless you ask nice. Have feedback or want to submit a question for a future show? Send your emails to podcast at kinkinthechain.com.